My name is Chris Dagger. I'm a content creator, YouTuber, and musician, and I am The Hustle. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, a weekly experience where produced screenwriter and podcaster Daniel Tuttle sets out to educate and inspire artists and entrepreneurs all over the world with the stories and challenges of those hustling towards their success. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my gosh, it has been a minute. Welcome back, League of Hustle, to the hustle. It is I, your host, Daniel Tuttle, and it feels so good to be back. I am so sorry that we were gone for so long. As most of you know who have listened to maybe our most recent episodes, Michael Lutheran, my producing partner and co-host on the show, decided to take a break from the show, leave from the show, and pursue acting a little bit more, focus on his wife and his future, crazy, right? Uh, And so he will no longer be with us on this show for the foreseeable future, but he is doing great. He just closed out a wonderful show at the LA Fringe Festival that won several awards. He has been going to several auditions. He's been held on a veil, which means they've held him for possibly being in something, and he's found a new thrival job that he is so much happier at. So he is doing Great. So reach out to him on Instagram or on Twitter, Michael Lutheran. Let him know that you miss him and that you're happy for him. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. But like I said, it has been a minute. So sorry for the delay. It's been a crazy time, right? And I've kind of had to do this alone a little bit. We still have Eric and Cass, uh, the team hustle. They're still here helping us out. But with COVID and not being able to get together in person, it's been very hard. So I've had to take a little bit of the reins of scheduling interviews, recording and editing for a little bit. And so it's taken a little bit with family and other ventures to get this out. So I'm so sorry. I hope you forgive me. But we are back today for season four. And with that are a few changes. Uh, First, the side hustles that we put out every other week, the preview episodes, those were Michael's baby. He really took the reins on those, and it doesn't really feel right continuing those when they were really his in the first place. So instead of doing interview, side hustle, interview, side hustle releases, we'll be taking our interviews, which are about an hour and a half long, and cutting them in half so that they're shorter, each episode is shorter, and they're more digestible. So you can listen to an episode, really take it in, Think about it for a week and then listen to part two, the wrap up of that interview. We feel this will be a little easier for everybody to listen to it, not feel like they have to uh, take so much time to listen to an episode. I think it'll be really good for us. Also, we are still going to do host episodes, but I have no idea with me just being the only host what we're going to do for that yet. I think we'll probably have some former guests and friends of mine on to talk about the industry, what's going on with them, play some games maybe, and just have a good time. And just kind of give you a week to relax and enjoy. I think that's going to be the best way. But that's enough of me. Let's get on to to the premiere of Season 4 of Hollywood Hustle Podcast. So, when Michael and I started talking about this show, we made a guest list of potential guests. And we split that up into two sections. For short guests, people we had connections to or we knew personally, we knew we could probably get on the show. And dream guests, those people who seemed way out there. We'd have to reach out through social media to try to get on the show and maybe they would come on. Today, I am presenting you part one of my interview with my very first name on that dream guest list, Chris Danker. Chris Danker is a wildly successful YouTuber with over 1.4 million subscribers on YouTube on his gaming channel. He also has thousands of followers on the streaming website Twitch, 
You may have heard Chris's name when I talked to Brandon Collymore a few seasons back. Chris has been a mentor of Brandon, really helped him as he's come up in the game. They've collaborated on a lot of things. Chris also has a history in music and acting, and today we discuss his journey from growing up, being in a boy band, starting a YouTube channel, wrestling, and so much more. Chris is also a huge proponent of focusing and discussing mental health, and he has raised tons of money for charities through his YouTube channel and his Twitch streams. He Every year, he would do a Christmas charity uh, stream where he would actually take all the money earned from that and buy tons of toys for kids in need during Christmas. Just a great all-around guy, a great content creator, a great YouTuber. So excited to share this interview with you. So let's not wait anymore. Without further ado, here is my interview with Chris Danker, baby. Let the hustle begin. I can see the Christmas tree is no longer. Up yeah, I took it down. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> did you get Did you get belittled forever. by the the chat? I mean, for- I was I was pretty much like forced to take it down by my content there my comment section <laughs> ladies love your tree up because it's cause it fucking looks cool back there you can love christmas and you know what yeah right I now we all christmas. need some mary you know what i mean we all yeah. need a little boost it's fine christmas rules yeah christmas is the greatest time of the year uh my it wife really is. is more a halloween person i am more of a christmas person hey halloween halloween's a close second halloween's a close second but i go christmas i'm a christmas guy <laughs> nice well again thank you so much for being here of course like i said i found your channel back in 2014 since then you now have 1.38 million drivers on youtube you have over 3,000 videos you have a track that people are literally using on their videos all of me you have people who say they started youtube because of you just out of the gate how does that feel for you when brandon or other people say i got into youtube because of your videos yeah people are probably gonna think i'm bullshitting but that's the coolest part that's the best part of this whole thing. It's very cool to make videos that people watch and the views are cool and, you know, subscriber counts and this and that and stuff. But when someone else was inspired to do something by something that I did, that goes just back to even before I was YouTube, before I wanted to do anything like that's just what I wanted to do is just inspire people to do something, you know? And it's funny because like, I didn't think that doing YouTube videos was going to be my avenue of doing that. I thought this probably isn't going to change anybody's life or whatever. It's just let me just make some fun content and it is what it is. So when people start saying things like, oh, you know, you helped me get through this year or you inspired me to start this shit. That's the stuff that I'm okay. I'm doing I'm doing something right. There's not one Twitch stream. I don't think someone says you've made my day better or I really needed this stream today. Some form Mm -hmm. of this has helped yeah. me in some way. Right. And like I said, that's the coolest part of this whole thing. Absolutely. Sure. And, you know, from the standpoint of my podcast, I can understand how that feels where you get those emails mm-hmm. or messages where you're like, yeah. thank you for this. This inspired me to do this. Yeah. And you've even mentioned on videos how sometimes you get to a point where you're a little overworked and beat down mm-hmm. and all tired. And I've heard from many creators in the digital space where they get to a point where they're like, do I even keep going? Should I keep mm-hmm. doing this? And then they'll get an email or a message from somebody that talks yeah. about how much this means to them and it kind of mm. inspires that push to keep going absolutely do you feel that when you hear those things i'm grateful i have like a great support system here at the house like michelle is always michelle's my girlfriend she's always very like supportive and kind of pulls me out of those what what am i doing wrong why is this not hitting why is this video you know why did this video get less than that it doesn't make sense what's this algorithm doing blah blah blah. and then i start to get caught up in that shit and i get down on myself and then you know she sometimes reminds me that's you know that's not why you're doing this though like that's not that's not what you're here for and then something will pop up but like i'll get a tweet or a comment or something and it'll be along those lines and she'll be like see like this is this is what i mean like this is the type of stuff that you're here for and i'm like yeah whenever you're right <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right no, but, cool 
whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, I guess women always right. Whatever. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like seeing that type of stuff can can completely just turn my day around too. Just as happy as hopefully those people are to like say those things to me, I'm equally as happy to hear them. Right. So. Literally, when I, I mentioned just a minute ago, I was literally thinking of like, when did I start watching your YouTube channel? And I think mm-hmm. you were the first gaming YouTuber that I followed. Really? I was trying to beat a game, and I was like, <laughs> I wonder if there's a guide for this, like a video guide. And I, I know you like, didn't look for me for tips. I <laughs> no, no. <laughs> for, for gaming tips. And then I was also like, is there wrestling video games out there? Because it was just done, mm-hmm. and it was like, maybe someone makes wrestling videos for video yeah. games. And I yeah. think you were the one of the ones when I Googled that mm-hmm. year's game that popped up. I was immediately drawn to your personality. You were funny. You were energetic and you put out really great content. I think it was you, Goran Perkins. They're excellent. And a few others that I found at the same, kind of at the same time and started watching. And mm-hmm. when I was talking to my then co-producer and co-host at the time, we sat down talking about this podcast. We actually made a list in 2016, 2017 of guests and we made a list of like who can we easily get that we know that's entertainers and Mm -hmm. people that we know and then who's our maybe like maybe one day list yeah and you were literally on my Mm -hmm. maybe one day really list of people to get on this podcast that's interesting to chat with that's funny let's just really just quick kind of go back where are you from where did chris stanker start what's the origins oh boy uh (laughs) so i was i was born in new jersey i grew up there and Kind of all throughout like my childhood and into like my teenage years and stuff like I was always very interested in at that point in my life it was kind of just being the center of attention it didn't really matter but as I got a little older I was I think I liked this performing thing being in front of people and doing stuff and like putting on a show or like entertaining or whatever I would go to my classes and I moonwalk in second grade just do all this old shit just to get people to watch me and all the talent shows and everything and then after one of the talent shows God, I haven't told this story in so long. After one of the talent shows, one of the other girls that was in it, her mother came up to me and my friend, and she's like, listen, I know this choreographer out in Philadelphia. He's looking for background dancers and, you know, uh, people for videos and stuff like that. And me and my friend were like, hell yeah, let's go. That sounds amazing. So literally, this was like four or five weeks, maybe a little more than that, maybe like a couple, two or three months before I graduated high school. I was at that point where I was getting ready to go to community college and I really, really, really didn't want to. I really, really, really did not want to. I was going to go for like graphic design or some shit. And I was just like, I'm not going to be happy with this at all. So I got that opportunity and like I talked to my mom and I was like, mom, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And I was like, listen, let me go for like a year. If I wind up in the streets of Philadelphia with no home, I'll come home and we'll go to college. We'll figure out the whole thing. So literally two weeks after I graduated high school, I moved out to Philly with my best friend at the time. And we just packed up a van and I spent the next eight years of my life, seven years of my life in Philly. That's where I started doing YouTube. That's where, no, actually like the music stuff obviously all started first. And then when I took a break from that, that's where all the YouTube stuff happens. As far as the background goes, that's pretty much the background. Well, it's great because I didn't know you were born in New Jersey or from New Jersey. I thought you mm-hmm. were from Philly. That's where I thought you were originally Yeah, from. I think a lot of people think because I, I talk about it a lot, talk about being there a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not where I was actually born, born. Yeah. So what's your first memories of music? My mom always had the Beatles on when I was a kid. I didn't appreciate it until I was older. At the time, I was like, I'm just listen to these songs over and over and over. And now as an adult, I listen to the same nine songs over and over and over. But when my mom got me a Walkman with the little... <laughs> With the little cassette tape. For those that don't there, know, I might have to, what we might, <laughs> might um, have to pop some yeah, up on oh. screen. Uh, so a cassette tape, right? So it's like no, it was um, which one came out first? Was it Bad or Dangerous? I think it was Michael Jackson's Bad. 
cassette. And from that point, I was like, yeah, this rules. I wanted to watch every Michael Jackson video. I wanted to hear every Michael Jackson song. I wanted to move like him. From that point on in my life, I have to be like him in some way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? That was like my first initial, holy shit, I gotta do something like this. And my mom would get so mad at me because she said I'd be in the back of the car with my little Walkman on and I wouldn't actually sing out loud, but I would lip it, but very over the top. I spat that and she'd be like, I can hear you whispering back there. <laughs> Shut up. And it's like, I used to piss everybody off. But yeah, Michael was the first. I feel like the first cassette tape says a lot about our, our personalities individually because you obviously have a <laughs> charisma and a hosting smoothness about you and where you come off very smooth and very easy. Obviously, you have you, you can dance, obviously. My first cassette was Weird Al Yankovic's Bad Hair Day. So... <laughs> <laughs> close <laughs> showing so, you know the it's... differences between who we are as people with what our now our first, my first cd i will say was boys to men but oh there uh, you go but uh, uh there but, you go but, yeah i think i also had a couple uh boys to men cassettes actually when did you kind of go i'm gonna try to start writing music so when we moved out to philly i was kind of under the impression that I was kind of just gonna be a background dancer for X amount of time i was by no means going by like a plan or a blueprint i was very much just like I'm gonna go do this where they say we're gonna make money doing shows and stuff. I'll make a little money. We'll see what happens. Type of thing. Like that was my whole mentality. So we didn't make any money. Uh, <laughs> so, Spoiler alert. So they were like, yeah, you know, we're gonna pay you for rehearsals and, you know, we're gonna do shows and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. And that didn't happen. <laughs> but it was a very good experience. And I'm glad I, I got that experience because so many things came from it. Long story short, me and my friend that moved out with with me and some of the other guys that were backup dancers, we were like, hey, do you guys want to like do like a group maybe? Because we're like, yeah, this dancing thing is cool, but it got like a limit on it. They can't really do much as like just a backup dancer. Like we kind of wanted to, to try to bring something more. So we were like, well, can you sing? Can you sing? Can you sing? Like, yeah, like, okay, let's try it. And then we would start doing little stupid cover songs and stuff. But I didn't even realize how much I enjoyed the writing and creating music process until I did it for the first time, until I actually got in a studio with other people that were like-minded and had the same goal and the same outlook. And you know, the producer's there and you got like another writer and everybody's like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, where are we going? And they're like, what are we and they're like oh, let's just like, let's just write. Let's just like, they put on a thing. And I'm like, okay. I'm sure, I don't remember what I wrote. I'm sure it was hot garbage at the time, but like, Girl, but it was, you're the best. it was something. I love you. Yeah. Ooh, baby. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Baby. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. I'm sure it was trash, but it was such an eye opening experience. I was like, this whole process is so cool. So from that point, I wanted to always kind of do that. And then from that point on, like, we started writing more of our own songs and I started having more input and started like getting better and, and all type of stuff. And now it's like one of my favorite things to do. So where did the name Odyssey come from and that spelling? Well, the spelling is because there was another group already named Odyssey. And we were like, okay. Was it like a Swedish pop group? Like one of those? Like it, I think it was like, it was like a, it was an older group. Yeah, it was like an older group of a very different, you know, very different background. <laughs> Our whole tagline or whatever is like, we want to take you on a journey. Mm. Like we want to take you on a musical journey, a journey of whatever. And we're like, what the, f like journey and blah, blah, blah. And then like. I think Jesse, one of the guys in the group, was like, "What about what about Odyssey? Like a big, like a big grand Odyssey?" We were all like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> we thought it was the coolest <laughs> name in the world, and then we spelled it like that. That's such a cool experience for someone, I think, because one, not only do you learn obviously to have a voice in a group, like you learn how to have your own voice 
and be able to participate mm-hmm. as your independent self, but also how to work in a group and how to yeah. delegate responsibilities, how to collaborate mm-hmm. with each other, how to deal with issues. Yeah. And I'm sure that in a business that you're in where part of the drive to grow is collaboration with other people, I'm sure mm-hmm. learning that and dealing with that and having that experience has helped you in where you are now yeah. in those instances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not an easy process Mm -hmm. to get four people on the exact same page about what you're doing, where you're going to be, what you're going to sound like, what you're going to look like, what you're wearing. It's hard. It's not easy to get everybody on the same page all the time. But we were never like we didn't butt heads or anything. We like we would have our arguments and our disagreements. But it was always like, what are we going to do for the betterment of the show or the group or their performance or whatever? But yeah, I struggled with that for a while within the group because for so long I was kind of just kind of front and center. And now I'm kind of in this group setting and I'm a little in the in the background doing background vocals and stuff. And I would struggle with that sometimes. Like I would be like, damn, I want to do more stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, no, I'm part of this group. I'm going to do what I need to do to make this group succeed. So yeah, it was definitely a very big learning experience, especially early on getting to to see how it is to like work with people in a serious situation like that. I, like obviously we joked around all the time and we had our fun and everything, but like when it came down to, to work, we were in there working. Did you guys have a group commitment of like, if you have an issue, this is how we're gonna handle it. Did you guys have like some kind of like set guidelines um, for each other? So it's funny the way that our personalities are, they're so different. Like we're so similar in so many ways, but then so different in others. So it's me, Elijah, Jesse, and Ray. So Ray is very laid back, nonchalant, kind of like, I'll go, I'll do whatever. Whatever y'all want to do, let's get it. Like, I'm here, I'm ready to go, whatever. And like, just just kind of like a good attitude to have. Like, whatever you want to do, let's get it. Elijah was very much from a very business perspective from, okay, how is this going to be seen by brands? How are we going to look to, you know, these people in suits and this and stuff? And Jesse was a lot more on the other side of that where he was very passion driven. He's like, no, this is the right thing to do because this is what I feel and this is what I want. And this is what I think is going to, and none of those approaches were wrong. It was all just, just different approaches. And I kind of always found myself being in the middle, kind of like, yes, we need to be professional, but we also need to make sure we're doing what we believe in. But I also had a little bit of Ray in me where I was like, but at the end of the day, you know, whatever we're going to do is what we're going to do. <laughs> so a lot of times I would be the tiebreaker. It would be Elijah would feel one way. Jesse would feel one way. Ray would kind of like, whatever, I'll go with either one. So it's kind of like, Chris, what do you think? And I bet uh we should uh do that one uh so but it wasn't like a standard process it's just kind of something that ended up happening over time right you Uh, kind of found the groove of how the the group worked yeah yeah once once we got comfortable with each other saw everyone's strengths it's a lot easier to delegate once you know like what people are good at you know do you remember a moment where there was like a big disagreement in the group and how that was handled or an example of one of those moments where maybe it took a while for you guys to get on the same page yeah I think the probably the biggest time it happened was not too long actually before I ended up leaving the group. It was it wasn't really it wasn't a big argument. It wasn't like it, like a big blow off drama thing. No sinks were torn out and no mirrors were <laughs> no, broken. No, not, not this stuff. Not this stuff. <laughs> we went on America's Got Talent a couple years before that. So someone I forget I don't even remember what the process. Someone was contacting us to get on X Factor, the other show, the other talent show, and I was like, I really don't want to do this. And everybody else really wanted to do it, but I really did not want to do it. And I felt a lot of pushback, like, Oh, why? Why don't you want to do it? You know, it's it's exposure and it's this and that. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, but the exposure we got from America's Got Talent was cool, but we didn't win the show, you know, and this is going to sound kind of shitty, but you don't often remember the people that don't win the televised talent mm-hmm. shows. Yeah, it's course, like yeah. It's just the way it is. And if you win the televised talent show, you are locked into a deal probably for the rest of your life. So I'm like, best case scenario, we don't win the show and get good exposure. Worst case scenario, we actually do well. 
win the show and then we can't do shit for the rest of our careers. Now we have someone talent dictating what we do. And I was like, and on top of the fact, like we did a reality show, we had that experience. I would rather build an audience from performing, from traveling to different places, performing in front of people, showing people, like making new music, releasing stuff. Because at that point we had accomplished a lot. We had accomplished a lot, but we reached like a glass ceiling. We like kind of weren't pushing further than we had gotten in a long time. So I kind of felt a little stagnant as it was. And I felt like it almost felt a little desperate, like we need to do this. And I didn't want that to be the reason we did that. So we went back and forth for a little bit about that, but then that did not end up happening until after I left the group, they reformed, did a couple other things, and the following year went on X Factor. Two of the guys went on X Factor, and they did pretty well. They like had a segment and everything, kind of like we did on America's Got Talent, and you know that was kind of that. But that's the only time where I was very much on the other side of it, and I wasn't really going to budge. I can't say that that's what led to me leaving, because it's not, but it didn't help. Yeah. So eventually you leave the group, you go solo, you start working on your own music. I found an interview uh, you did. Anybody that starts with, I found this. I found this OnlyFans that you had. <laughs> oh, uh, it's, no, that's a different Chris Anger. That's, uh, that's <laughs> that's, that's, so I found this interview with Tune Into L. Oh, wow. And so this is from, I believe, 2010? 2010, yeah. Yeah, 2010. And so what's interesting is... A year after this is when you start your YouTube channel, because you started in 2011. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what happened between... How did I go from this to a YouTube channel? 2010 to 2011, like, yeah. you know, what changed, what transformed from, you know, music, and not yeah. that you don't still do music, obviously you do, where did the, I'm going to start a YouTube channel kind of start mm -hmm. entering in? And that was honestly kind of accidental, but yeah, like 2010, I think like late 2010-ish, is when I started really trying like some solo stuff. I enjoyed it at first. I was like, this is kind of cool. Like I did a couple shows by myself too, like without a group around me. And I had like some backup dancers and stuff. So, and I was like, I like, I like this. This is like cool. This is something I can do. And then I just a couple weeks and months would go by and I would start to work on different songs and different things. And it's just like, I felt like I, some, something wasn't there. Something something was missing. I was like, I just don't feel right. Like, I feel like I need a, I need a little bit of a break. Cause like, cause at that point I had been doing it for like seven seven years straight between when I moved out, the group almost immediately got together. We started doing shows like it was just move, 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 bam, music, music, music all the time, 24 seven. Um, and I was just kind of like, I don't know where I want to go and I don't want to force anything and I don't want to make something that I'm not going to be proud of. Like, I'm not going to make music just, just for the sake of making music. I want to make something that I'm going to be proud of and that I'm like actually feeling and connected with and everything. So I was like, maybe I'll just fucking just take a break for a little bit. Like, I won't really think about music. I'll just do some little side things, some stuff that I've been putting off, some things that I've been thinking about. And around that time is when, like, the YouTube gaming stuff was really starting to, especially, like, Call of Duty with, like, uh, people making videos on Call of Duty. And I would watch them and I'd be like, oh, this is cool. This is, like, a dude just, like, playing video games and talking to people and, and like, what? You can make money doing this? Like, what? Like, <laughs> I started mm -hmm. finding this stuff out. And then, obviously, like, every idiot, I thought I could just start a channel and immediately make a bunch of money. I was like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, and that's going to be it. It's going to be. Hey, hey, guys, it's Chris. I'm playing Call of Duty <laughs> <Hello>. again. <laughs> <laughs> please give me, like, please subscribe. Everybody starts off like that for the most part. I didn't understand what was really going down behind the scenes with YouTube. So I was like, oh, whatever, I could, I could freaking do this. So, like, I did a couple videos, and, like, obviously, I didn't really get that many views or I didn't really do anything, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't the move. <laughs> so I was, like, just doing a bunch of other shit on the side, and I would do a little video here and there. I would do a Call of Duty video. I'd hop on with some of my friends, play some shooters, and I would just, like, upload just, just to have, like, I wanted a release. I wanted to still be creative in some way, shape, or form. Like, I couldn't just not do, I couldn't just, like, go to work and, like, calculate numbers. Like, I had to 
keep creating something. So I started working on these little videos that were so terrible at first, and then I would do two, and then I would stop for three or four weeks, and I would do like one more, and six months would go by, and then I would like do one. But it wasn't until WW2K15 came out. So this would be, at this point, this is 2014. So from 2011 to 2014, I was part-timing YouTube, part-timing as in like a video a month, maybe. And I was also doing freelance voiceover work on the side, just like trying to get customers and like build up a, a client base and stuff like that. All these, all just all these little side hustles that I uh, hustle, like all, like all these little side things that I'm trying to, to keep going. Like I, you said the secret word. <laughs> like I was always about it. I was always about that life. But that during that time, a lot of different things happened. My relationship, a very long relationship that I was in ended. My relationship with Michelle started. So in those three years, a lot of stuff changed. I think I moved like three or four times. And then, like I said, 2K15 came out and things changed a little bit. I'm still want to know, would you rather kiss a monkey or lick a doorknob as this quiz? <laughs> As, what did I say? Is you. it a cute monkey or one of them? Yeah, is it a cute monkey or is it one of those flying rabbits? Flying rabbits? <laughs> and then you had to know more about the public restroom. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I need more information. I agree. All right, so you got into YouTube. You started making these videos. How long did it take before you started seeing real growth? The shitty thing is it felt like an overnight success type of thing that was three years in the making. Because it's literally, I uploaded the first 2K15 My Career Mode or whatever it was. Yeah, it was My Career Mode was the first one I did. And at that point, my videos have been getting like 3,000 views, 2,000 views, whatever. Like I, I had like 20,000-ish subscribers at that point. And then this goes up and it gets like 5,000 off the bat. I was like, I didn't expect that video to do that. Let me do a part two. The game was okay. Like, I hadn't played a wrestling game in a couple years at that point. I had taken a break after SmackDown 2011 or something was, like, the last one I played. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's got this career mode. It's on a new console, blah, blah, whatever. I'll try it. So episode one does really good. And I was like, okay, let me try another one. So I did episode two. And by the time episode two is up, episode one has, like, 10,000 views. And I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me do one more. And okay, okay, let me do one more. And it's just the subscribers started to go up. The views started to go up. It literally from that day was just a snowball effect that's still continuing to roll, which is insane. But when I say it was completely by accident, it was completely by accident. If that My Career Episode 1 pop off, I'm saying 5,000 views, but that was mm. so big. For you, um, I'm sure that was. Yeah, at that point, at that time, huge. it was so big. It, but if that hadn't happened, maybe I wouldn't have followed it up and I wouldn't have done yeah. YouTube anymore. Like, I don't know. It's kind of one of those mm. things where, like I said, it felt like almost an overnight change but it had been going on for so long and a lot of times that's how things kind of happen you put so much so much work into something and you think it's going to happen one way but then a swerve happens and, and all of a sudden you're not going in the direction you you thought you were going to go in that's such an interesting look at it because you know you were doing these other videos before and then all of a sudden you kind of shift and i think that's such a testament of one of the things that you talk about a lot with content creation is finding your like niche finding mm -hmm. your audience yeah. and once you kind of find it stick with it you know, on TikTok, they say the same thing. Find your videos. And when you find the videos that do the best, do more of those videos. And then when they stop working, experiment with other things. Yeah. Try other stuff. Yep. And like you said, it felt like an overnight sensation. But you've been doing this for, you know, years what, three years yeah. by that point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a friend of mine who has a friend that had this uh, film that did super well on, like, the indie film circuit. Mm -hmm. And he got interviewed by all these people. And somebody asked him one time, like, what does it feel like to be an overnight sensation? <laughs> and he was like, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. Like, I'm not an overnight. I didn't, like, just make a video. And it's like, it takes, like, and, and even further, like, looking at your journey through Odyssey and your music journey, where it's like, a lot of that had to prep you for how to handle this. 
like what you learned during all that, the business and dealing with other people and yeah. all that stuff, I'm sure, like we said earlier, set you up for some more kind of success to be able to handle yeah. this thing. One thing, too, that the group like literally changed my life. So one summer we signed up with Six Flags to do to be like a featured performer for the whole summer. So we were doing we had like our own stage and like a big like little area, our own little area and stuff. We were pretty much like salaried performers. They're like, you're going to do three shows a day, five days a week, three shows a day, five days a week. <laughs> that just counting. That's 15 shows a week. How long were the shows? Uh, anywhere from like 30 to 60 minutes. Wow. Sometimes like it would rain and we'd cut it off and be like, all right, gotta go. <laughs> like, but it was, it was like some, usually somewhere in that rain. <laughs> like one drop of rain hits your nose. <laughs> like, all right guys, call it. Yeah. yeah. We're like, oh, sorry guys. <laughs> but it was so hot. A lot of times we would stay out there when it would rain, even though we weren't supposed to, cause it was so hot, but like the equipment is anyway, 15 shows a week, which is 60 shows a month for three months. In that summer, we did 180 shows as a group together. Man. When I tell you, like, as far as performing goes and being on front of a stage, I it built this, like, rock-solid foundation of I can do this with my fucking eyes closed type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, we were so in sync with one another, and we were so... We knew where we had to be. We knew how people were going to react to certain things. We knew... Like as time went on, the show would change and 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 develop. Uh, you know, it'd be as of uh, what the reactions of the of the crowd was and everything. And that uh, I would never take that experience back for anything because it taught me so much about performing, being confident in front of a crowd, listening to a crowd, and being able to adapt when things like aren't going right. How to handle yourself when everything breaks and you're in the middle of a show. Uh, like so many little things that taught me that are still with me to this day. And, you know, that's why I say, it's like, we look, I look back at the pictures of Odyssey and I'm like, oh, it's funny. You're like, oh, I got a head shaved and oh, it's funny and ha ha. But it was literally like one of the most incredible experiences of my life because it taught me so much about performing, creating uh, artistry, like all of that shit. And it made me fall in love like with that whole performance side of it a thousand times over. It was such a, such a crazy experience. So, so as a YouTuber doing these kind of like, kind of commentary style videos mm. where you're you know, you have wrestlers and you're like oh you know, Chris Danger but on the <laughs> attack guy, and, but yeah. oh they're oh why why is he dressed like that like you know have these <laughs> moments like how crazy do you feel half the time <laughs> and 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 how crazy is it for like Michelle well she's <laughs> she's thankfully used to it by now I, I have a basement so thankfully it's like my whole area is a little separate <laughs> from the rest of the house but I don't feel as weird anymore because it's just it just feels natural now. Like mm -hmm. if if someone on the outside listening thinks it's weird, like I that I don't care anymore. I'm like if you don't get what this is, like I I can't help you with that. Like so right. I just kind of it just it is it is what it is at this point. I don't like it. Do, it can feel weird, but at the same time, it, it's I've been doing it for so long that it's just I'm just loud and and it just happens. <laughs> like press record, get loud, it happens. Now is you on camera in or in those videos? Is that you amped up or is that you like probably not normal? as much as you would think but yeah <laughs> not as much as you would think but see i'm kind of from the the older school era of performing where like stage stuff i, I learned that like when you see that red light it's like on something right. has to change when when you record it's like if, if you're here you gotta be here type of thing that right. type of stuff 
doesn't always translate well with internet content with like this type of content because people people don't always want to see you being professional and here's this planned thing like sometimes we just want to just sit here and just chill and right. it took me a while to learn that because at first i was like hey guys let's uh bring it back and we're gonna do the thing today and then i like i would listen back to my videos i'm like oh my god i sound like a youtuber like i sound like a youtuber i don't <laughs> want to sound like a youtuber like i want people to come here be comfortable have some laughs and then go on about their business not like hear my video i'm like oh my god another one of these guys another one of these assholes uh what's up gamers <laughs> we your boy and like i did it for it's so long i did it for so long um we, we're down on that wwe 2k <laughs> once more and that's that's like that's what i thought i was supposed to do you know so i'm just like okay let right. me like amp it up but now thankfully i'm just like i just i just go i just turn on and just go i think there is something to that though where be honest like i hate zoom interviews like this <laughs> like i hate them yeah when we first started this podcast i told my my then co-producer who helped me create it i was like i don't ever want to do if we can help it a zoom interview i hate the sound quality yeah like I, if they can record themselves that's great like that's fantastic but there's something you miss about being in the room yeah with somebody the energy the back and forth as you know from being in a group like there's there's a different energy in that. absolutely and so when you do these things i think you feel like I have to be just a little extra to get across just that little bit of yeah, energy for sure that I have because you do lose it somewhere. And then as you build, I think that following base, that subscriber base, those people that are there, ride or die, you know, with you, you can have those videos that are a little more and like you have like, what's up guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah that's kind of, you know, what, that, we, what it's evolved to, we, kinda, we did yeah. the, you know, you evolved to like, they now know you yeah. in a way, I guess. Like, and so like they can handle that turn down yeah. a little bit of you but i also understand like how just being like what's up yeah, like could just be like completely like i can't yeah I can't and it's this. like if i'm like if i have to force it i'm not like i'm not doing it if i if i hate it or i have to force it i'm not gonna do it right it's something it's something too i think i got from wrestling because like i've been a wrestling fan since i was a kid is that you always hear that like the best characters are the ones that like are themselves just with the dial turned up mm -hmm. a little bit and like that that kind of yeah. always stuck with me like it's just like be your be yourself um, when it's time to to be in front of people, turn the dial up, be as loud as like show everybody what you have. You know, don't don't yeah. hold it back. I, uh, and that was I always kind of took that outlook. I think one of the best examples of that now would be Daniel Bryan during his like environmentalist heel run. Yeah, because he is an environmentalist. Yeah. that is his thing. He's very nature and you know uh, all all the things to keep the the earth safe. Yeah. and then like taking it up a notch, we're like. I'm going to turn this to like where you hate me right. because I'm in a, because I want to save look, the man, world. Everything is wrestling. <laughs> I, I, I can, life. I can relate anything I've ever done in my life to wrestling in some way, shape or form. It's stupid how like everything <laughs> has a full circle example to it. It really goes back to it. Um, so what was your, like compared to like your setup now, what was your first like setup oh, for God. YouTube? Uh, I had a, just a shitty laptop and uh, no, 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 I didn't even have a laptop yet. I had my mom's old computer that I had moved out to Philly with. It was so old and slow, and I had like a cracked version of Sony Vegas. I had, <laughs> um, I was editing videos, taking three hours to edit and six hours to render the video out. I had like the Hopage, I think it was called, like the mm -hmm. HD video, HD video converter or whatever to capture the gameplay with. Just all this old, slow stuff. And I don't know how I did it. And, and I'm just so grateful that stuff has come so far and so long. Technology these days is amazing, and now I can get a video out, like, recorded and, and edited and uploaded, like, within an hour. So now I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a struggle. It was a struggle it, early on. I know a lot of people usually ask, and I asked Brandon this, and I know you've done, like, 
shown your mm. setup before in many different ways. <laughs> so for those listening, mm. like, what do you use now? Uh, so I have a, a three monitor setup. The one normal in front of me and the two on the sides are vertical for reading chat, like making sure I see a lot of the chat for streams and just having different windows and programs and stuff open. I have a uh, Lumix 4K camera with ring light over here. I have a couple lights behind me. Uh, microphone AT4040, I'm pretty sure this is. The Go XLR uh, John piece, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. What else? The computer itself, which is way better than the shit I used to have. And a stream deck here. <laughs> you don't use your mom's laptop anymore? I don't use my mom's laptop anymore, no. <laughs> Thankfully, I gave that back to her. Wouldn't it be crazy if you still did? That'd be, wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> like, like, I have all this thing. other amazing technology, <laughs> but my computer is still but my like, mom's no. like 2010. No, I'm using this. Dell. I'm using this laptop. <laughs> this is what I started this is on. Sentimental. This is what I, I don't on. care if it takes nine hours yeah. to render these 4K videos. No. We are still I used to have a lot of like little, what's the word? Just like little quirks about the way I would do things. Like I used to legit watch my videos back like two or three times before I put them up just to make sure there was no mistake at all. Like God, in my mind, God forbid if I, if there was a cut that was wrong or like a subtitle that was misspelled, like I would be like, oh my God, I gotta take the video down and blah, blah. And now I'm like, and now like if someone says, oh, this is wrong on the video, I'm like, and? <laughs> like, so <laughs> thank you for your comment. Appreciate it. But like that is usually never anything big, but it's just, it's so funny that you, you feel more comfortable in it when you detach yourself from it. I know that sounds weird because like everybody wants to have full control over what they do and everything should be perfect all the time. And I'm the same way. I'm, I have a, like a perfectionist type of outlook. But at one point I realized like I can't control everything. I can't be on top of everything 24 seven. So if something is off, something is off. And I just, I need to be okay with it. Like mistakes are gonna happen. Problems are going to arise and I need to be able to to get through it. So the whole the whole process of me as a YouTuber has been like six different versions of, of myself of until like finally becoming someone that is confident in this that feels like i feel like i have my feet planted in it and like i i know what i'm doing for it to an extent <laughs> i yeah. sometimes <laughs> most of the time know what i'm doing usually looking back kind of on the beginnings from even like 2011 to you know 2014 what would you say like your top two or three lessons you learned that has helped you kind of be where you are that you would say like if somebody asked you what's two things you would tell me to mm. so i'm going to tell you two things that kind of contradict each other, but I think they're both very important to hear. Number one is that you need to be able to to bet on yourself. At the end of the day, whatever you're gonna do, whether it's YouTube or you wanna be a musician, you wanna host a podcast, whatever, it's your, you can't go into it saying, this is not gonna work, or I don't know if this is gonna work or whatever. You just, if you start something, you need to put your whole ass into it. And that's what I was doing during those times. Like I was trying to do voiceover work on the side, like I made a website, I made uh, all these things, the client lists, and I was sending out shit, and I was doing reels and examples and stuff. When YouTube started to become a full-time thing, I uploaded every day, you probably know this, uh, I think until like 2019, I stopped my mm -hmm. daily upload, bro, four I, years. I remember you would have videos where you'd just be like, I'm sick in bed, <laughs> and you'd be like, but I didn't want to not upload. Yeah, I did not want to upload. Yeah, I would literally put up yeah. videos being sick, and I would feel like such an asshole if I didn't upload. I'm like, no, I set this precedent of I'm gonna upload every day, and if I don't upload every day, everybody's gonna hate me, and everybody's gonna leave, and I'm gonna lose all this, and it's all gonna be gone. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do <laughs> don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, work at your own pace and believe in what you're doing. Stand in 
who you are as a person and put that out there, like we said before, with the dial turned up a little bit. Mm. On the flip side of that, the second part is, while it is great to be as good as you can individually, always be on the lookout for people who are going to try to make your situation better. It's going to be hard. You're going to find people who do not want to make your situation better, even though they seem like they do. You're going to have people that come and go, maybe that, you know, don't treat you as as well as as you would like them to or whatever, but you still need to try to make those connections and those friendships and those and like build build your circle of trust because as much as people want to say oh i did this shit all by myself i I got whatever it's like no nobody has done anything completely by themselves everybody has help somewhere sometimes the help is bigger than other help sometimes like my mom had to you know throw me 200 bucks when i was broke in philadelphia to make sure i paid my rent like that was helping me you know so for someone to say like oh i got here all on my own it's usually never the case so I would say the two things are believe in yourself and be as whole ass about things as you can. But at the same time, don't be afraid to, to have some people around you that are of the same mind and are looking out for your best interests. It can be hard to find, but it's, it's worth it. All right, that's it. Episode one of season four is in the books. I hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Chris Danker. I cannot wait for you to hear part two next week. If you think Chris's YouTube channel is something you would enjoy, go check it out. It's on YouTube, Dankops, D-E-N-K-O-P-S. It's the same name on Twitch as well. He also started recently his own podcast called Into the Danger Zone. It's available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. It is going to be a wrestling-based podcast, so if you think you would enjoy that, Into the Danger Zone. If you have thought about starting your own podcast or you have questions about it on how to do it, I coach, I consult, I also edit and produce podcasts for other people with my company, Hustle Podcasting. So check us out. Uh, You can go to Instagram, Hustle Podcasting, uh, or email me, hustlepodcasting at gmail.com. Or if you have a question about the show or Chris Danker or a question for Chris, I can message him. Send it to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Can't wait for you to hear next week's episode. It's going to be such a great continuation of this interview. And as always, please remember, keep up the hustle.